Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Good music, good worship, good day. It's a good day. It's a day the Lord has made, right? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Always a blessing to be able to assemble. Should not take it for granted because there's people all over the globe today that took it for granted that uh, in many countries the persecution is rife and if nothing more, we can be thankful and find excuses to worship rather than excuses from worshiping. Uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to look at um, four verses tonight, verses 33 through 36 of a message titled, Praise His Name. I know one thing, praise His name that my eyes held on till my early 40s, but oh me, Lord, they are headed down the hill. My eyes have gone so bad, I don't know if I blame it on ministry and pastoring or just age, huh? The consensus, I guess, would be age, but it is uh, really, I, actually, it makes me feel sorry for the people that didn't have the good sight that I had. Most of my parents had glasses by the time they were in their early teens, uh, between 10 and 12 years old. You had them in fourth grade? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was fortunate. I had better than 20-20 vision most of my life, so I can still see good far off. I just can't see good close, so... As long as it's good from far, when it gets close, it's far from good. So, uh, but I'm thank again. I'm thankful for the blessing. And tonight we're gonna give. We're gonna look at uh, verses 33 through 36 of a message titled "Praise His Name." And um, Ro- I love Romans. You know that. You've heard me say that. It goes through the beginning of this chapter. The rejection is not total. I I think that personally, in my opinion, believes that there's a future plan. People uh, call it replacement theology. They believe that the the church age replaced the Jewish people and that it would not uh, reappear. And, I, you know, that's what Hitler believed. He believed that Christians replaced the Jewish people and that his job was to exterminate. It's very sad. But I believe that God has a future plan for the Jewish people. I believe that from what Ezekiel chapter 38 through 40, if, if only that. You know, God talks about the restoration of uh, his people and all that we see in Scripture. But... Tonight, this is just basically a, a declaration of praise and the thing that we need to remember. We, need, we should live a life of praise. We should uh, continually reiterate the truths of who God is. It's really easy for us to feel powerful, to feel what we should not feel as believers, most importantly, but even as people. We are nothing. We are not a... We're not a speck of dust in the cosmos. Meaning, if you look at the greater cosmos and you look and study space at all, you begin to get a very, very clear understanding of when that Christian song says, Who are you, O Lord, that you are mindful of us? We are so small, and it's, we, we can't even begin to comprehend how small we are. You know, if you look at the... it's. Um, privileged planet 
It's a, it's a movie called Privileged Plan. It's a Christian movie. But what they did is it was the footage from the Hubble Space Telescope, and, you know, it basically had a picture of the Earth, and it just pulls back until you're at the farthest picture ever taken in the history of all mankind pointing at Earth. We're nothing. I mean, we are literally nothing. And to think that we believe we're something is clearly misguided. But tonight, what we're going to do is just basically magnify the the characteristics of God, things that we can focus on and meditate on. I hope you found Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. And if you're able tonight, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Father, thank you tonight again for this privilege we have to worship you. God, I thank you tonight that you are the the all-consuming I am. You are the beginning, you are the end, and everything in between. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor as you deserve tonight. Father, I pray that you would speak through the power of your spirit as only you can. May you alone be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. By the way, what a great doxology. At the end, that last verse, what a powerful, powerful verse. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But again, 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. There is a lot in that, those, that, that verse. It really, to me, would be two verses. But the depth of the riches, both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Think about the knowledge of God. God knows everything about everything. In all of eternity, past, present, and future, God knows it all. Everything that has ever occurred in the history of all mankind, even at these depths, you know, a thousand feet underground when they're working in these mines, every statement ever uttered, everything, God knows it. And I don't know if that's enough to blow your mind or not, but it's enough to blow just the very fact that God could number my hairs on my head, not to mention every other person on the face of the earth, and it's not even a concept to him that he has to think about. The knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God is absolutely, in my opinion, mind-numbing. I watched... um, a 60 Minutes, I think it was 60 Minutes broadcast about a month ago. Uh, I don't know if I sent that to you, Jeff, but I think it probably would, would interest you. But it's on uh, quantum physics. Did anybody else, the quantum computer and quantum physics, do you see that? And let me tell you one thing. Astounding. I mean, it's astounding what we are headed to. But then, I, as I think of this, and I even think of, I've read a lot on what the, my car is capable of doing and how many 
uh, millions of computations a second that it is doing to do what it does. It blows my mind. But yet, in comparison to the mind of God, it is foolishness. The quantum, phys- the quantum computer is foolishness compared to the mind of God, the intellect. I think that's powerful. And I just want to share with you the first thing tonight. God's riches, his wisdom, and knowledge are limitless. And I think it's important for us to remember this. The reason that I think it's important for us to remember this is because at times when we tend in our human, our human self to get either prideful, boastful, maybe get a bad attitude with another brother or sister in Christ, it is extremely important for us to realize that God hears, God sees everything. And most importantly, God don't like ugly. Amen? Meaning God doesn't like it when we're acting the way we should not be acting. He doesn't like it when we say things we shouldn't do, when we behave in ways we should not behave. As a matter of fact, Scripture gives us a rife warning that we will stand accountable for every misspoken what? Word. Careful what you say. Be very careful. Because... When God brings recollection to those one day, I will assure you that we will have long since forgotten what we will stand accountable for. But remember the mind of God. He forgets nothing. Do I say that so that we have a fear? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We go back to that. Um, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we've got a lot of scripture verses on that. And I think some of that should come from the fact that God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. Also, God is merciful, and I'm thankful for that. He's gracious, but we don't use his grace and, and his mercy as a license for immorality, but his, the riches, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God are limitless, and it should bring us to a place where we praise his name. Praise his name for the attributes. <clears throat> I go back to, to something Dan Brown shared with me years ago. You want to pray more effectively, I'll give you a way. After you've prayed for your children and your grandchildren and the future spouses of your grandchildren and maybe your great-grandchildren to the third generation and whatever else you've prayed for, after you've prayed for the elected leaders and the ones that should be elected and the ones that shouldn't and everybody else for that matter, when you've done that, this is an important thing to do. Start with the alphabet and begin to pray as you think about the attributes of God. What? Number one is A. God is almighty. B, he's beautiful. C, he's the creator. D, he's my deliverer. E, he is excellent. We can, hey, F, he's faithful. G, he's God. H, he's holy. I, indescribable. We can go on and you can literally pray through that prayer. And unlimited amount of times because there's so many attributes of God that we can give him praise for. So when people will say to me, Brother Jonathan, when you talk about extolling the name of the Lord, when you talk about worship and praise and honor, I don't understand it. Well, I shared that with them, and then all of a sudden you get a blank stare. Oh, never thought of that. But that's an amazing way to remind yourself and to compel yourself And all you have to do is write down the the letters in the alphabet. And if you want to write down each one that you do so you don't say it again, trust me, you will find other words. It gets a little more difficult when you get to X, 
and Z. I will tell you that. But you'll find out some, and you can actually get in the dictionary. It'd be a really fun game that you can do in your prayer life through is just do a study on the attributes of God. And you will be astounded at the things that you can pray for as you seek to praise, to glorify, to honor the name of the Lord. But what it does, most importantly, is it puts you in an attitude of worship. Do you realize that as a follower of Christ, we should remain continually in an attitude of worship? What does the scripture say? In him we what? Live, move, and have our being. So therefore, is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that have been prepared in advance for us, we should remain in an attitude and a continual perpetual state of worship. When you're riding around, instead of thinking about some uh, bunch of knuckleheads that run around with a leather ball throwing it to each other, beating their brains out, right? I'm talking about ball. And thinking about the new Heisman Trophy winner, whatever people are talking about all the time, it's something, ball, 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 ball. Think about something that has eternal value, not some person that's going to be disabled by the time they're 50 years old and go off into obscurity. That's fine if you do that, but make that the minority of your time. Make that the smallest amount of your time. Make the essence of your time the most of your time focused on things. Colossians 3, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections. Nothing wrong with your hobby. But make sure your affections are set on things above, not on the things of the earth. That's what Scripture says. Don't get mad at me for it because I'm just repeating what Scripture says. And it's very important to cultivate an attitude of continual worship. Because what is the statement I heard recently which made me want to puke? Christians used to own Sundays. Now we do. That was the commissioner of the NFL. God used to own it, now we do. Think about, think about what this, the arrogance in that statement. <clears throat> a man that himself, I don't even know what the man's name is. I could not, if my life depended on it, I could not point at the man's picture nor tell you his name, so I don't have an ax to grind with anybody. But what I do know, that man will stand before God one day, and he'll give an account. I pray that the man comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ is what I'll tell you. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But what is most important is that we likewise don't fall down at that altar of worship in that respect either. Again, it's fine to have a hobby, but I'm talking about the supreme place of honor, worship, praise, and thanksgiving belongs to the Lord. And no one else deserves that. And then verses 34 and 35 For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? You ever thought about that? For who has ever known the mind of the Lord? Who do you think would have even remotely been close if you could even, I don't even think attributing it, but who's the closest to ever knowing the mind of God? Solomon. We know what scripture says, the wisest man that had ever lived or what key, key, key thing or ever would live interesting thing jumped out and I, maybe I've, I've heard it before when I read it and just didn't pay attention but as I was reading through Exodus the other day I read through the Bible when the grasshoppers the locusts 
covered Egypt, there was an interesting statement in that. More than ever had or ever would. And the plague of those locusts can imagine. So they covered everything. So when you think about that, I mean, it's just, again, mind-numbing even in that concept to me, the hand of God. And even with Pharaoh, you know, thinking about Pharaoh and how God, after they, they're out there getting, they're crossing the Red Sea, God incites, Pharaoh hardens his heart. You see that in the beginning that Pharaoh hardens his heart, but then you see the point where God hardens his heart. And ultimately what it just shows you the picture of, it, a matter of fact, um, you might go, well, you know, um, Pharaoh had his chance. I'm going to tell you something. I, I just, you better read Romans 9. I raised you up. I raised you up that I might display my, my power. I'll leave it at that. That's deep. That's powerful. Objects for God's mercy, objects prepared in advance for destruction. God knows what every person's going to choose. God knows whether a person's going to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So think about this. Someone who's born that God knows beyond a shadow of a doubt will reject him. That's a deep concept, isn't it? God's all-knowing, though, isn't he? You might say, well, well, I mean, how can God know? Wait a minute. How can God write the end if he doesn't already reside there? How can God say what's going to happen in Revelation at the end if God is not already there? Ask, answer that. He's already there. God transcends time so therefore god right now right now is in eternity past you go well, brother jonathan it's already passed why does it matter because time does not find god and therefore he can be present in all of them at the same time Whew. he is infinite i am finite and i'm thankful for the fact that i can grasp i, I think it's a gift from god that allows me to see the denseness, as you know, used to use the word dense. The, again, I'm a hammer, the claw's been ground off of it, like my buddy did there at Stanley that time. I've got no claw, and I just have a hammerhead. I'm so thankful that I am dumber than a box of hammers with the claws bent off, or uh, ground off, and I'm okay with that spiritually speaking. I don't know anything in comparison to the mind of God. But I'm so thankful that I know that my God does have the infinite. He is infinite. There's nothing. And that's why my trust, my faith, and my rest in the promises of God, I'm like a, a child in the sense of that childlike faith. I can't explain it all. I don't even purport to. I'm just thankful that I rest in the wonder-working power of God and that Jesus Christ is my Lord, Savior, and King. And what matters to me is what matters to him. What matters, number one, is life and people. Number one. The rest of it, I don't care if we're all broke. I don't care if we're all sleeping in tents out here at the back of the church because we are so broke that we cared about life and we lost everything as a result of it. I have zero heart for that. I don't care because God already promises to provide our needs. So I know that if I do the right thing spiritually in voting and taking care of what God cares for, that promise will continue to 100% apply to you and I. Amen? That's a comfort to me. Because 
height nor depth, angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. And that brings me great comfort. The second thing I want to share with you tonight is from that, those 34 and 35. God is all knowledge and the owner of everything. God, all right, you say, hey, look what I've done. You know, think about Nebuchadnezzar when he walked out on his back porch and said, oh, look at the king. Look at me. Look what I've done. What a fool. Especially after what had happened, he had been warned. Anybody remember who God had raised up to warn him? Remember some writing on the wall? Daniel. And basically it said, be careful because, I'm paraphrasing, be really careful because you're, pro- you're going to get humbled. And then what happened? No, that, that wasn't enough to, to wake him up. And I think a lot of times, even us, it's not enough to wake us up, is it? It's not enough to wake us up when we think what God can do. <clears throat> I want to ask you in all sincerity, have you ever seen God humble someone? I have. It's a frightening, it is a frightening thought. How fast God can humble us. God's humbling this nation right now. Nobody knows about Dearborn Michigan in this building, do they? Anybody know about Dearborn? Remember old Dearborn Michigan, what, what it used to be? Brother Ron, I know you know, what was it? Car capital of the world. You know you can't go to Dearborn now? You don't know that? You'd lose your life. Muslims have overrun the entire place. They run every part of government. They run everything. Do some research on it, church. In our United States of America, Dearborn, Michigan, no longer a place that we are welcome. And by the way, go show up with one of those and see what happens to you. Because what happens when a nation abandons God? God abandons a nation. Anybody in here want to ask me at what part of Romans chapter 1 we're at? Anybody want to take a shot at it? I don't know. But I know what the Bible says. Though they did not see it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, what does it say? He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. They are what? Filled with every kind of evil, greed, depravity, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent ways of doing evil. You can go through and read it tonight. And I'd actually ask you to parallel Proverbs chapter 1 as you read Romans 1. Then read Proverbs chapter 1, and you will get done, and your mouth will be opened. I know it will, because you'll go, this is what's happening in our nation. You can't have a nation that says, in God we trust, but then at the same time, no, he's not welcome in our schools. He's not welcome in our seats of government anymore. We will not allow that God to be preeminent. No, as a matter of fact, we won't even allow the name of Jesus Christ to be spoken. And by the way, if so, you will be shamed. You will be kicked out of assemblies. You will be complete. But by the way, can you please help us find out why we're having mass shootings at schools? Will you please help me understand 
This is what they're saying to us. Please help me understand while there's an epidemic right now of depression in our young people, hopelessness, drug addiction, alcoholism, and the gamut. By the way, we won't even let them know whether they're girls or boys. We'll let them figure that out when they decide one day. See, when you defy the the praise of God, the glory of God, and exchange it for the immortal. It's the only thing that we can expect. Now, we know this truth. Why am I saying this? Because we need a continual reminder of how to pray. How do we pray? I know because of Nineveh that there is always hope. If I didn't think there was any hope, you would not see me here again. I promise you it would be all about me and i would never show back up here if there was not hope because my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness and i know that god can do anything and when we look at even um, sodom and gomorrah how many righteous ones if there was just came down to what 10 he wasn't going to destroy There wasn't even 10 righteous people in that city. They didn't know their right feet from their left, spiritually speaking. And it's so important for us to, in our prayer, God, let me be a lighthouse. God, let me be vocal. God, put me in the position that you need me to be in. Let people see Jesus lived out. Let me be bold with truth. Because... The more we sit back and go, it could never happen in this nation. Same way as the ones that came and apologized to me after we were shut down for those few weeks with COVID. And they literally asked for, I need to apologize to you, Brother Jonathan. We would say one day when we lose this opportunity, we'll find out how sacred, how blessed we are because we so often take this for granted. And as they said, they would sit there and go in the car and go, why does he even say that? There's no way. We're in America. There's nothing like that that would ever happen. And they came back and said, I never in a million years would have thought that something could have prevented us from worship. What we have here is something we should never take for granted still. It is a gift from God. But not only that, God deserves the glory. He deserves the praise, the honor. He deserves it. He's our king. He's the God of all knowledge and the owner of everything. We own none of this. Nothing. 100% of what we have do we own. It's on loan from God. You know, I was um, watching this little documentary thing this weekend on uh, the We Are the World. You remember that? 1986, if I remember correctly, it was 86. Uh, I didn't know about how that came about, and I just knew there was a bunch of artists. It was a very, very popular song, and really, at one point, every station in the world was playing that at the same time at some certain time. It's been so long ago now. But as I watched this, I learned so much about why that was done, how it was done, how do you get all those artists in one place at the same time. But it was really interesting because as I watched that, I, remember, I looked at these artists and I'm like, you, you're a nobody anymore. Meaning these people are old and they're not, they're, these aren't people that are touring and doing all this stuff. These people, they had um, interviews with them now and it's like, whoa. You know, this is what, 40 years? Yeah, 40 years ago. Everything's passing away. All the knowledge is God. 
All of the praise is God. He's the one that owns it all. And in a few years, that will be nothing but a picture of yesterday past, a, a blip in time, literally a fraction of a second in time. That was recorded in one night after one of the award shows. A few hours together, that was done. Then they left that morning at 7 o'clock, if I remember correctly, and it was that little period of time that was over. It's had a profound impact on my generation. But see, God's still the owner of all of it. And all of those people with all of that talent will give an account to God one day for what God entrusted them with. Those who are followers of Christ, praise God for that. Those who are not, it breaks my heart because those who've been entrusted with much is much required. But again, God is all knowledge. He's the owner of everything. He deserves all of our praise. Praise his name. And then verse 36, and when we're done, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Think about this again slowly. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. That is deep. It's all from him. It's all that's lasting, that has merit and value through him. And to him all the glory, meaning he deserves it all. And you hear me say, I'm quick when someone says, you know, you were an encouragement or you're this, I quickly say, you know, praise God. Meaning I deflect, I'm, I'm encouraged by encouragement, but I'm quick to deflect it. Meaning, I, I, all, I want always people to realize that all glory be unto him. All glory be unto God. I can't take credit, though I'm encouraged when someone is encouraged when God uses me. And I know as you are, we need encouragement. It's important. Encouragers are amazing. Many of you are encouragers, and I'm thankful for you. Because without encouragement, you become discouraged and you want to set sail. You don't want to do anything because you don't feel like God's using you. So encouragement's good. But all of it directed to the Lord, most important. You might love your spouse, but number one, thank God for your spouse and tell your spouse, you know, I'm so thankful for you. And by the way, I'm so thankful that God entrusted you to me. I'm so thankful that God blessed us with these children that are on loan. I can't believe that my uh, father's mother died. Graham is what I called her. I loved her. Absolutely loved her. I had learning disability when I was young. Um, I had an auditory processing learning disability. Of course, I was ADHD. But Graham came over every Tuesday and she would cook for my mom because my mom was working at that point. And uh, my mom would be getting home at three in the afternoon and Graham would come over and granddad would go play uh, my, my, my father's dad. They'd go play golf. Uh, Graham would help me with my with the stuff she was because she was a teacher and uh, a retired teacher, but she would help me with things that were helping overcome this reading comprehension, learning disability I had. But all of this time I had with her was nothing in terms of time and reality because Graham died in 1991. If I remember correctly, I was 16 years old, I think. I think I was 16. But it's just like that. That she's been gone. My 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 dad's father died in, in 1995. 
It might have been 96, maybe, I don't know. Somewhere in there close. Just gone. All of these things that God's given me in my lifetime to, to be blessed with and the relationships have been like dust in the wind, truly. That documentary on where I lived in Florida, one of them is called Cocaine Cowboys, but then there's another one for, with Blanca, and Blanca's the woman, her name was Grizel, uh, Grizel Blanca. She was the number one feared female uh, cocaine trafficker, like in all history, a feared woman. But this was all going on in Florida when I was young. I had no idea, but I think often about those cast of characters in those documentaries. All of this power, all of this money, and all of this self-imposed kingship in a sense that they had, thumbing their noses at the law, all for nothing. They had a short time in history on the blip of time and eternity that they were powerful for nothing. I think back to Pharaoh that was the Pharaoh in Egyptian time when God's people were getting ready to be delivered out of Egypt. A blip in the radar of time and history. I think of Herod, I spoke about it, I believe on Wednesday night at Masada, as he stood on top or sat on top of Masada and gave the, the edict to kill all the babies. Blip in history. That every one of the people that I've referenced when that little time and space, that very minute, those seconds in history, in a sense, they're seconds compared with eternity. They're not even seconds. It'd be microseconds. Only to stand before God, having squandered what God gave them, and give everything in the nothingness of their life for nothing squandered. Yet God has a purpose and a plan. And the third and final thing I want to share tonight, and then we're done, all glory and praise be unto him. All glory and praise be unto him. God deserves it. He sent his son to die for us so that this very night, if this is our last night, let's just say tonight, you don't even realize it, but you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a massive stroke. We're going to go home, you're going to lay down in bed, and whoever the person is, or maybe all of us for that matter, we go home tonight, we wake up, and we're like, I don't feel so good. And those are the last words that ever leave your mouth. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You have lost nothing. As a matter of fact, we know from Scripture, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what's in store for those who love him. So see, we know as followers of Christ, this is not the end for us. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. It's just the beginning. For followers of Jesus Christ, the most glorious day that we will ever experience in time, space, and eternity is the day we breathe our last breath. When the world considers us dead and gone, we will be more alive than we've ever been in our entire lives experiencing the glory of the resurrected Messiah. We will see him face to face. We will be in the presence of the God of all creation in, as scripture says in Revelation chapter five, in the throne room. Can you imagine? I can. 
I can't even imagine what the glory of God is going to be like. But I want to tell you something. All praise and glory be unto him. I hope that your life is a life that is the exemplification of glorifying and honoring him. I hope your life is about nothing more than living out his created call for you, the purpose that he breathed life into you. Finding that purpose, fulfilling that purpose, and being ready to go home. I pray that you're not sitting around wasting copious amounts of time on foolishness that has no eternal value, thinking that in a sense you're going to grasp hold of this life because it will be snatched from you in a moment's notice for you to live with regret, the regret of one day having a stroke and sitting inside of a, a wheelchair, sitting inside of yourself completely paralyzed and unable to do the things you used to, all the while regretting what you could have been for what you were. Don't do that. Live every day like it's your last day, all of them to the glory of God for his plans, his purposes, and I promise you, you will live a life worth living. You will not live a life, and if you did, by God's grace, you did, you get a stroke, and you ended up being there when couldn't do anything, you won't sit there with regret. You will thank God that you did to the glory of God everything that you could do for his plans, power, and purpose, and this is a time now that you're able to be ministered to. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for your word. God, thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of understanding that you are the God made everything. It is all to you, the glory, the power, the praise, the honor, all of it to you, Father. You deserve it. Lord, I pray that we will condition our hearts and minds and our lives to live our life as a living sacrifice daily, laying it down, that, God, we will condition our minds as we pray to not only pray without ceasing, Father, but pray to bring you glory, to bring you honor, to bring you praise, and our minds and bodies be conditioned to living a lifestyle, to having an attitude in our hearts that continually does that. Father, thank you for our families. All of these things that you've given us, we realize that all of them are on loan. God, may all praise be unto you. I pray if there's someone in this building or online that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they will not let this day close without understanding they're a sinner in need of a Savior, realizing that Jesus Christ not only bore our sin on the cross, but died the death that we should have three days later, rose victoriously, conquering hell and death, and now is seated at your right hand. And as they confess their sin and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, ask you to be their Savior and Lord of their life, God, I pray, Lord, that that would happen tonight if there's one that needs to do that, and that they would then speak to a, a local pastor, somebody online, speak to me, Lord, and that, God, they would be able to be baptized and live in obedience to the life, the purpose, and plan that you have for their life. God, may you be glorified as we go out into our mission fields. Equip us for the work that you have prepared for us in advance. Lead us, guide us, and direct us into that perfect plan. And we ask this all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.